Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, today, guys, we're, um, I want to preach a message today that I've been thinking about for a while, and, and it's really easy on a day like today just to talk about what the Bible says about being in community with small groups. So we're going we're gonna to hit that a little bit. Um, but I, I hope today that among, among anything else that I might have the opportunity uh, to, to encourage you to dream again. I think when we look at our, um, I'll just keep it to our nation. When we look at our nation, I think we have a deficit of dreamers. I think we have a deficit of people who are willing to take the risk to step out and do things that, that, uh, that seem impossible or they don't seem logical, or they seem slightly improbable, or they seem like the odds might be against us. And, and I know we can go on, we can Google it, right? We can Google dreamers, and we can find stories, and we can be inspired, and, and that's fantastic. But I think in a sense, and if we had a ratio of, of people that are out there taking chances and taking risks and dreaming and, and believing for the dream that God has for their lives versus those that have put it in neutral or they've put it in park or, or they're just kind of sitting back living in fear or at the very least living in comfort. I think the ratio would be significant. Now, already this morning, I feel like it's super quiet, and so I'm going to need y'all's help <laughs> because we don't do quiet church. If you're new, it's okay. This isn't a place where you just come and observe and quiet. This is a place where you can come in and be loud. You can be a little obnoxious. You can talk at me. You can say amen. You can say preach that. You can stand up and point at me. If you need a high five, I'm good for that too, um, just one at a time. Anyway, but listen, I wanna, I'm hoping today, if nothing else, that we'll be able to um, encourage each other, inspire some purpose in each other to realize that God did not create you and save you and call you and chase after you with his love and his grace so that you could live a normal, quiet life. If God creates something with intention, you best believe that he's got some plans. And, and, and I get it. I've been there before where I say, yeah, I, I totally believe that for, for, for that person. <laughs> Because I'm just not, I'm, you know, Pastor Craig, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not, I'm not outgoing. So we begin to kind of create our own little checklist of why we are disqualified from being dreamers. We begin to disqualify ourselves, maybe even before the starting gun goes off, and saying why God can't use me to do great things because of this, because I used to be like that, because I used to do this. I'm going to give you one character. This isn't even who I'm talking about. His name is the Apostle Paul. Actually, I don't think at birth he was called Apostle. I was later. His name is Paul, and, uh, and he used to be known as a guy named Saul, but he was somebody that if you were to be familiar with the Bible, he wrote about two-thirds of the entire New Testament came from his life and the Holy Spirit inspiring him uh, to encourage churches and to teach. And so, but he was somebody, if anybody could say, I'm disqualified from being used by God to do great things, I would say it's him. It's not because of his education, but he was probably the most educated man in the room at any given time. It was because before he had an encounter with Christ, what was he at the club? Was he doing this? No, he wasn't doing that. What he was doing before he had an encounter with Christ was he was trying his best to destroy what Jesus had started. He was out, he was putting uh, Christians in prison. He was responsible for the deaths of Christians. He would have men, women, and children hauled away. Many led to their death. 
He stood, if you read one, I think it's in Acts chapter 7, where it's the very first martyr of the church. His name was Stephen. He was, uh, if you were to look at his title, basically he would have been somebody in the church who was serving as an usher. But he was someone who was full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and he began to speak in the name of Jesus. He began to move powerfully in his community. And it says that as they arrested him and then as they took him out and began to stone him, in those times, those, that was with rocks, not with any, any, anything that was legal or not. Anyway, so they, be, they, they killed him. They stoned him to death. And it says that, that a young man named Saul stood there in approval holding their coats as everyone threw rocks. And so if anybody's willing to say, God can't use me because of what I've done, I think it would be him. So don't let the excuses, don't let the lies, don't let the failures, don't let the whatever, the insecurities keep you from being exactly what God says that you can be. Let me read the scripture to you in Genesis. I'm going to make it easy because Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to the first book of the Bible. You'll probably have to get past the index and in the introduction. Genesis chapter 15. <clears throat> I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and we're going to talk about a guy named Abram. If you are familiar with the Bible, you are maybe more familiar with him being called Abraham. Uh, but there was a moment where God changed his name and changed his identity, and, uh, but that's not for a couple of chapters. He didn't know it at the time, though. He didn't know there was chapters being written. So we're in chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1, and it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. For I will protect you, and your reward will be great. How many of y'all want that word from the Lord? That sounds good to me too. But, <laughs> but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son, when I don't even have something that has been produced by me that will be able to enjoy the fruit of my life? <clears throat> Since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Uh, you have given me no descendants. This sounds kind of like a little bit of a negative conversation. He's like, guess what, God? Let me tell you what you haven't done. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Have you, have you, ever, tried to, uh, have you ever tried to tell God his business <laughs> and forgotten who you're talking to? You try to tell God how it is, and he's like, uh, nope, nope, no, let me, let me fix that. And then the Lord said to Abram, he said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside. Here you go, I love this. This is a great highlight spot in your Bible. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, I'm assuming this is nighttime, and he says, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now, I, I love the fact that there was not continued extreme dialogue between verse 5 and verse 6. I don't know if there was, but I kinda, it kind of paints the picture that there was not. Because sometimes when, when you want to argue with God and God begins to argue back and in a gracious, loving way kind of puts you in your place to let you know that he is God and you are not, sometimes it's good at that point just to kind of shut up and listen, right? Just be like, okay, my bad whatever you say. But that's kind of what happens here because in verse 6, after he says, look up in the sky, he's like, I got no kids, God. You've given me no heir. I'm going to have to give all my stuff away to somebody that doesn't even belong to me. They don't have my blood. They don't carry my name. They're, they're not the fruit of my life. I'm not, it's all going to go away, and my life is going to count for nothing. God says, nope, look up. You see those stars? How many of y'all, anyone ever done that? 
go out to a field, lay down, maybe, you know, in the nighttime you look up and you try, has anyone ever tried to count stars? Anybody? Three people in here have tried to count stars. I did. I tried. And I think maybe the most I ever got to was like 10. Because then at that point I realized this is stupid and uh, this is ridiculous. This is a futile exercise. And, and after you stop counting, you just stare in amazement to what you are seeing. And you try, to, you try to fathom in your mind. Is anyone else, or is it just me? You're just trying to fathom in your mind the expanse of what you are looking at and realizing that as beautiful and powerful and wonderful as our eyes are, uh, we still are not able to even see a glimpse of the expanse of God's creation. But God says, look up at the stars and count them if you can. That's how many your descendants will be. And it says in verse 6, and Abraham believed the Lord. Wow. And the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. The Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Father, I pray right now for every single person in here. For anyone who's going to be here in this, Father, online later. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that you would help us with the barriers that are in our life. God, the things that we allow to be put up and the things that we put up that keep us between where we are and where you're trying to take us. God, I pray that the things that close our ears so that we don't listen to what you're saying. We feel like we can't hear you, but the truth is we're just not listening to what you're saying. God, remove those, Father. Soften our hearts so that we can receive today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are because that's what we do. We take notes not because of uh, there's nothing else to do, but we're, we're speaking into your Monday through Saturday. Sunday at Convo is not a box to be checked. It's not something that we just do so that we can say, yeah, I went to church. I'm a better person now because I, I walked into a building, sat in a seat, and left a building. Now I'm a better person. If that was the case, I'd be, the, you know, I'd be a great mechanic because I've been in a few of them, but I don't know how to do anything. That's why you pay somebody to do that. But you don't come in church, sit, get up, leave, and just expect osmosis to transform your life. We, we lean in and re, we react to the atmosphere with faith, and we listen to what God is speaking. So you're taking notes because Monday through Saturday, what we're talking about today is going to impact where you are in your life. Amen? Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to wake you all up this morning. It's going to happen. I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain about that. Anyway, so our, the title today is Count the Stars. Just write that down, Count the Stars. And I, I, want to, I want to continue to push and inspire you guys as best as I can to believe that for your life there is so much more. Even if you feel like right now you are on top of the mountain in your life, like you've had promotions, your relationships are fantastic, your bank account feels pretty great, you just feel like everything is clicking in your life, you still need to know that there is more. If you are on the opposite spectrum of that, if you feel like you have been buried under the deepest valley and you feel like you cannot get out, you need to know that it's not over. There's more. God has more for you. If, you. if you feel like maybe you're somewhere in the middle, you feel like in life you've kind of found a sweet spot and you're willing, you know, the, the road is straight, you can just put it on cruise control and sit back and relax, I definitely want to tell you that there is more. God has never said in his word that his desire for you and for me is for us to live a life of ease and comfort. Yet for some reason in the American church, we seem to preach a gospel that communicates that. That is, you know, God wants you to be happy. Well, I think God does want you to be happy, but let me tell you, happiness is not the goal of God for your life. It's a byproduct of living a life of faith. Happiness is crazy because happiness always is determined on what happens to you. So if, if, if what you are gauging your happiness on is based on your life, then you're going to be happy some days and you're going to be not happy other times. And that's normal, right? That's life. I've had good days and I've had bad days. I don't know about you. I've had moments where I was happy and I've had moments where I was not quite as happy. 
and none of those are God's fault. God, where were you today? He's like, oh, it's right here, right here. Oh, oh, my bad. Well, I, I wasn't very happy today, God. Oh, okay. Well, when you weren't happy, did you bring that to me? Well, no, I was busy being upset. <laughs> I didn't want to really talk about it, but now after the fact, I just want to talk to you about it. God's funny. Isn't he good? I'm so grateful that God is not just sitting up on a big giant throne with a giant Louisville slugger just waiting for me to screw up because I would not be in a good condition. Let me tell you, I would have some situation lumps. I would have some bruises. I would have some broken. Actually, what am I thinking? If you take a shot from the Lord with a Louisville slugger, you think you're going to survive that shot? Good gosh. Anyway, anyway, I'm grateful for God's grace. Everybody else should be too. <clears throat> the challenge, I think, when we look at um, the stars, and we can say this physically or in a, in a sense of a metaphor, because God was not actually mathematically telling Abraham that you will have as many descendants as there are actual numbered stars. He was trying to paint a picture for Abraham, sorry, for Abram, that would stretch his mind to the point where Abram was not able to comprehend any further what God wanted to do with his life. The stars were not just representing physical blood and seed relatives, because in the New Testament it teaches us repeatedly that we are actually all children of Abraham, not because of bloodline, but because of faith. It's not just the Jewish people who would be the bloodline, it would be the people who put their faith in God who would be a part of the descendants of Abraham. So guess what? You and I are one of those stars. When Abraham was looking up, and I think maybe he got to 15 or 16 stars before he stopped, but when he looked up and he's like, okay, I'm counting the stars. Guess what? One of those was you. One of those was me. And some of those stars are going to be people that because of the faith that is being put inside of us and the life that we get to live that will impact other people are going to be more stars that are added to it. Here's the crazy part. Even today, science has proven the fact that our universe is expanding at the speed of light. They are discovering new stars, not that they just didn't see before, but stars that at some point when they checked were not there and then when they checked again in that same quadrant region, we're there. there. There are things expanding. And I love the fact that in the beginning, if we were to go back and look at Genesis chapter 1, and how did light come to be? God spoke. He said, let there be light. And the speed of light, it shot out from him. And I love to tell my kids this because I like to see their, their heads blow sometimes. And he never said stop. God never said stop. And so guess what? Even if you think or you thought, well, with technology and I can, there's got to be a mathematical equation for this, I can figure out how many stars there were. By the time you figured it out and if it was accurate and when you started, it would be inaccurate when you stopped because there would be an expanding universe. God's not talking to Abraham or Abram just about his son Isaac that eventually he would have about another 20 years later in his life. Now, when this first happens, Abraham, Abram, God, I keep going back. Abram is probably about 75 years old. And then we see later, it's when he's about 100 years old, is when his, his actual blood son shows up. So if I'm you, and God comes to you and he says, hey, how old are you? You're 75. You don't have any kids yet? No, you're going to have a kid. I'm 75 years old. I'm going to tell you right now, God, you may have a situation on your hands. I'm not going to tell you how to be, you know, you and stuff like that, but there's this beautiful thing called a biological clock, and mine has stopped ticking. You know, it's let alone waiting another 25 years for something to happen. But I love the fact that in verse 6, it just says that he believed God. He believed God. We have this, um, 
we have this false reality um, in, in, in Western Christianity that, and I already talked about the happiness thing, but just this thought that the, 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 the perfect relationship with God will result in my life being filled with ease and comfort and peace and nothing's ever going to ruffle my feathers. Every, no one's going to get mad at me at work. I'm always going to have the best boss. I'm always going to be first for promotions. I'm always going to, everything's going to work out. And it just doesn't happen that way. But here's what I'm going to tell you, and it was, it was evidence in the life of Abram who would become Abraham, is that you see he's the father of faith, but when you watch his journey, it never stopped changing. Abram's life, even his name, it never stopped changing. And when we think that we can get to a certain place in a relationship with God where we don't have to change anymore, we've missed the purpose of faith. Because change is the only constant that exists in a life of faith. As a matter of fact, the only thing, let me say it to you this way, only God stays the same when we're living a life of faith. Only God stays the same. Because the Bible tells us that he is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's gonna be the same forever. God doesn't need to change because he exists in a state of perfection. You and I, on the other hand, <laughs> just, just a little short. Just a little short in the perfection scale, right? No, we always are gonna be changing. Why? Because the stars that God wants to come from us are ever gonna be expanding. Let me give you a couple of things here. Only God is the one who ever changed. Let me give you four quick things here so you can write these down. They'll be on the screen behind you. I'm just gonna go through them. First thing I wanna say is in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that as Jesus followers, our whole goal is to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. That doesn't mean that we close our eyes and start walking around. I wouldn't suggest doing that in real life. That won't work out well. It's driving a car, that's not gonna work out well. You won't be able to text and drive if your eyes are closed. So you, you know, that doesn't just work out at all. And so, no, I'm joking. Don't you dare be texting and driving. There's reasons why you shouldn't do that. But we live by faith, not by sight. If you even just pause to think about that, there's a reality in that statement where God is getting you to try to trust him as you move. Trust him as you're moving forward. Trust him when you can't see the next step, but you know God is in it, and you're gonna trust it. Trust God when you don't know if the step that you're taking to try to start this company is gonna work or not, but God says, trust me, if I spoke it to you, I will provide for you. If I'm gonna step out and put myself out there in this relationship, yeah, maybe it won't work out, but I'm gonna trust God in this. I'm gonna guard my heart, but I'm gonna trust God with it. I'm gonna take the step of faith. We tend to think that we have to see everything laid out in front of us before we will take a step. We are guilty, every one of us, me too, guilty of saying, God, give me a sign. God, give me a sign. God, give me a sign. And guess what? He's gracious and he does a lot of times. He's like, okay, I know you need it. But don't make this the, don't make this the norm. Don't make this the norm because I don't want you to walk by sight. Okay, I proved something miraculously that you could see. Now you kind of inch yourself forward. All right, God said, all right, you ready? Now let's go. You're like, actually, if you could just give me another sign. Everybody saying, what about Bob? Baby steps to the elevator, baby steps to the, and there are baby steps, that's fine. You can take baby steps of faith, but I'm telling you that the more steps of faith that you, that you do take, and the more you begin to see God become faithful in the steps that you are taking, there becomes a confidence. I remember when my kids first started learning how to walk. It was awesome. It was beautiful. It was hilarious. It was dangerous. And their first couple of steps were not normal straight steps. It looked like they were being checked for a DUI. 
But it's, eventually, as they started to get confidence in their balance, they began to start, to, and then you had to put, you know, pillows on every corner, and you had to put stuff in the electric, you know, socket so they didn't electrocute themselves. But it's beautiful. Steps of faith are going to make you more confident in taking larger steps of faith. And I'm also not going to be the one that tells you that once you start kind of walking in that faith zone, you'll never stumble again. Because sometimes in my life, I've been so confident because of what I've seen God do that I got to a point where I told God, all right, God, I got it now. Thank you. Boom, flat on my face, you know. He's like, oh, that, oh, that's cute. I back up. All right, come back over here this way. Don't be insulted when God treats you like a child. He loves you. And, yes, there will become more and more success, more and more confidence, more and more faith. You will step out to do giant things that maybe right now if you thought about it, if you were able to count all the stars, it would blow your mind. And you would be so paralyzed with fear that you would, you're like, that will never happen, God. That will never happen until you have some victories. And then you start to say, well, maybe, maybe when I'm ready, maybe. And then you keep taking steps of faith. I'm just telling, I want to, I hope I can breathe something into you this morning that lets you know that God wants to do great things through your life. And you don't have to be relying on your own strength to do it. You don't have to have the resume to prove to God that he can do mighty things through you. All you got to do is say yes. All you got to do is what Abraham did. And he said he believed God. There was no, there's nothing else after that. There's no other dissertation about what it meant. It just says that he believed God. God, if you said it, then I'll believe it. Number one, faith in God always leads us beyond our comfort zones. Number two, I'm just going to put these up. Faith in God always leads us into the unknown. Anybody encouraged yet? Number three, faith in God always leads us to great need for more of God. If you ever get to the point where you're like, no, I'm just, I'm filled up, I'm maxed out, I don't need more of God, I'm good. No, then you are no longer walking by faith. Doesn't mean you lost your salvation, that's not the topic, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living a life of faith, a life that every single person is called to live in. If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower yet, you're just, you're here, you're checking things out, you know you need community, you feel good in this environment, that's okay, and you're safe. But once you say yes to Jesus, I'm telling you, it becomes an adventure. If you are, if your life is boring and you're a Christian, you're doing something wrong. Because it's not possible to follow Jesus and be bored. Just read the Gospels. There was always drama. Like, I just, you know, gave my life to Jesus and I'm just so glad that now, I, you know, there's no more drama. Drama's gone. You're like, who are you following? <laughs> Drama followed Jesus like it, was, like it was Jerry Springer. I mean, he just, everywhere he went, there was stuff going on. Everywhere he went, there's like prostitutes being thrown at him. There's religious people trying to start fights. He had his own followers chopping off dudes' ears. I'm telling you, like, drama followed Jesus. And it's not because he was a drama guy. It's because he was willing to be in the mess of the life of people. He was willing to take a risk on people. And when you take a risk on people, you can guarantee the drama is going to ensue. But God is great and he's powerful and he's mighty. And I'm telling you that he will use you to not allow the drama to continue, but to speak into it and bring life where before there was darkness. That's the beauty of who God is. Number three, faith in God. That's already the number four. This is where I want to camp. Number four, faith in God always leads us into an ever-expanding community. If you find yourself in isolation, you're not walking by faith. If you find yourself justifying to yourself that all I need is me and Jesus, then you're, you're missing the point. 
Even Jesus needed more than himself. He had disciples. He had 12 that he chose. He had three within the 12 that were his, kind of his inner circle. And then at one point you see there's 72 of them that he sends out. And then you see that there uh, in, in the book of Acts, you see 120 that are meeting together. And then you see thousands. And so like when, when Jesus is in the picture in your life, it is an ever-expanding community. The goal was never to find two or three people that you're comfortable with and just kind of close out that box. This is my crew. That's not a crew, that's a click. Click doesn't let people in. Click excludes people. Click, uh, click you know, uh, separates people. But community is always expanding. Community lets people in. Community takes a chance on relationship. Community is a risk, but it's a risk that God's willing to take. And it's a risk that he did take when he brought you into his community. Faith in God will always lead us to an ever-expanding community. These stars that we're talking about, that didn't, again, that didn't just represent uh, Isaac, who would be, you know, the, the child of his seed, that would, the promise would go through Isaac. Literally, the lineage of Christ would come from Abraham to Isaac and in that direction. But he, it represented you and me. It represented the kingdom of God. It represented things that, that, that Abraham could never see. It represented things that, that, that still hasn't been seen because it hasn't happened through you and me yet. Convo Church is one of the stars in the sky. I'm not getting weird and mystic. I'm just kind of painting the picture of what God was trying to communicate. Today, one of our friends, you guys are responsible for helping yet another church get planted today in San Diego. There's a beautiful church. I think there's two launching today, actually. September is the, September is the month of church planting. It just is. We've been a part of seeing 28 churches launched this, this month alone. Hundreds of people gathering. Uh, hundreds of people giving their life to Jesus. Those are stars that are popping up in the ever-expanding community and kingdom of God. And it happens when we say yes. The same promise that God gave to Abraham is the same promise that he wants to give you. That if you will trust him, the descendants, the fruit of your faith will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. That's why I love we can go back to Ephesians 3.20 where Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus and he's speaking to us as well. And he says, listen, God wants to do infinitely more than you could ever ask, dream, imagine. God wants to awaken the dream inside of you. And it's not just a dream to be an entrepreneur. It's not just a dream to, to, to make your first million by the time you're 40. Yeah, that's great. But I'm talking about something that is so much bigger than what we can put on it in a natural sense. It's bigger than a dollar sign. It's bigger than how many properties you own. It's bigger than how many businesses you've started. It's bigger than how many friends you have on Facebook. It's bigger than anything that you could ever equate in the natural sense. God wants to blow your mind with what he wants to do in and through your life. But you have to give him a chance. You have to give him a chance. You have to stop saying no and start saying yes. God wants yes people. People who are willing to say yes. A Jesus follower is a world changer. There's no way around it. You cannot not follow Jesus and not change the world. The 12 disciples that Jesus called, and he even knew that one of them was going to screw things up, but it was a part of God's plan so that Jesus would go to the cross. And they replaced him with another guy, and they became the 12, and the 12 literally changed the world. And these were not scholars. These were not the best of the best. These were a bunch of jokers. <laughs> these were a bunch of jacked up, messed up guys. And a bunch of jacked up and messed up ladies. The guys were a little bit more jacked up, but that's just how that goes. And they changed the world. 
Did you know majority of the ministry of Jesus was funded by women? Can I, can I get a? Ladies, I just threw, I just, I just, ladies, I just threw one up for you. You could have knocked that out of the park. Good gosh. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, genuine faith will always bring you into community with others. Always. Always. And sometimes it happens intentionally, and sometimes it happens because God shook something up and you find yourself in a different place. That's okay. It's okay. You just got to be, you have to allow yourself to be back in the place where you can say, yes, God, I, I trust you. Yes, God, I'm willing to take this risk. God, I don't know, I've been, I've been, I've been burned a couple of times. I've been hurt a few times. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. Just trust me. I'm taking you somewhere that you don't even realize what's about to happen. I don't know, that can, that can spark fear in some people's hearts. I, I want to know what's about to happen. <laughs> How about just like, you know, just an intro, just give me the cliff notes and I will walk with you. And God's like, no, just trust me. Come on, come on, just trust me. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna see God do amazing things. Guys, as I look at year two of, for our church, um, I still know with full confidence that God wants to do something that's gonna blow, it's gonna blow my mind. It's gonna blow my wife's mind. It's gonna blow our minds. And I don't know all the way what that looks like because sometimes you just show up and you go for it and you keep saying yes to Jesus and you keep trying to trust the process and you keep, you know, and you just kind of keep your eyes open because when God's gonna do some stuff, he doesn't always lay it out, right? Almost, no, almost never does he lay it out. That's been my experience. But he's gonna, I just kind of keep going with my eyes open because I wanna see what God's gonna do. And I wanna keep my ears open because I wanna hear what God's speaking. Not just to me, but I want to see what he's speaking around our, around our community. I want to see what God is speaking around our nation. I want to see what God is doing around our world. Because here's the thing, you got to understand that when God works in one area, it's always connected to something that God is doing around the world. Always. Sometimes we kind of get in our little, our little thing, right, a little space. And we think, this is what God's doing here. Listen, yeah, God's doing something here, absolutely, but it's always connected to a bigger picture. It's always connected to something. I'm so excited. Two weeks from now, I'm excited to start a series that, no, I'm not going to tell you yet. It's a little teaser. I, I was going to. I was going to, but I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to wait because I'm still developing this thing. But I'm telling you, what, what we're going to be going into is something that God has been speaking to my wife and I. And it's something that as we have been talking to other people, we are beginning to see that God's been speaking the same thing to them and in different states, and in different cities, and in different places, and even in different countries. There's something right now that God is doing in his church to try to wake up his people, to get us ready to be what we've always, we're always we're supposed to be. I'm excited about that. So that's why I was a little distracted even this week, because I'm just thinking about that moment. I just, I hope that, I hope that as a church, we will continue to show up and lean in to what God is trying to speak. Let me give you two more verses, then we're going to stop so that we can get to, our, we can get to the rest of our crew Sunday. <clears throat> Let me give you uh, the first one. You can write this down, Psalm 92, 12. And in the New King James Version, this is what it says. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. There's something about being planted. It, it just, you know, the metaphors work when you look at nature, you look at creation, the things that are planted, the things that, that allow roots to go down into the soil are always the things that will begin to bear fruit. Being planted in the house of God, being planted in the kingdom of God will allow you to begin to produce fruit from your life that is the result of your faith in God 
that will expand your relationships, that will expand your capacity. You think you only have certain capacity to do certain things. No, God wants to expand your capacity. God's going to let you know, no, maybe only on your own efforts and strength you might be able to pull this off, but I've never wanted you to only operate out of your own strength. I want you to begin to operate out of trusting me to provide for the strength that you need to do what I'm calling you to do. But you can't flourish when you're not planted because we, we see it all around here. There's tumbleweeds all over the place. The wind starts kicking up and then there's stuff getting caught up under our cars. Those are things that either have no or they have very shallow roots and they don't survive. They just get blown around wherever the wind blows. God's looking for men and women that are going to put those roots down. He's looking for people that are going to get planted. He's looking for people that are going to stop being wishy-washy, stop living a, 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 a church, uh, attending a, a faith lifestyle that's dependent on my feelings and emotions and opinions. And begin to allow ourselves to get in a place where God can begin to work and move through us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. You can transplant something and move it to another garden, right? But guess it, it takes longer for that tree to produce fruit. Because you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta work on it, you gotta medicate it, you gotta make sure you're giving it attention, you gotta make sure the roots that were ripped up get placed in and can take culture. And, and if it keeps happening, eventually that plant's not gonna make it. And begin, eventually it takes longer and longer to get leaves, it takes longer and longer to produce fruit, which eventually makes it harder and harder for there to be a harvest. God's looking for people that'll be planted so that he can begin to move through your life. Now check this out, Acts 2.46, this was right after the church really launched. Not Convo Church, we're not that old. But the, the original church, when Jesus said, guys, go into Jerusalem, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, the church started. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. It says, daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion, to celebrate life together. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. As God began to move and people began to get saved, the fruit was community. The fruit was relationship. Guys, listen, you cannot do life alone. You cannot follow Jesus on your own. Can you get to heaven that way? Absolutely. But the goal of life is not heaven. The goal of life is heaven on earth. The goal of being a Jesus follower is seeing the realities of the kingdom of God be alive and flowing through your life. And you need people around you that are going to cultivate that. Babe, you want to go ahead and come up? And here's the last one. Because your community, this is something where churches begin to miss it. This is where I'm going to finish right here. We begin to focus only on our church community. We begin to think to ourselves that this is the only community that we need. But the reality is, is that when God comes into our life and he saves us, he also calls us. And he doesn't call us just so that we can hang out with all the Christian folks. He calls us so that we can be sent back out with the power of the Holy Spirit active in our life so that the community that exists apart from God can be brought and reached and loved and ministered to and brought into community with us. So if you are in community with Jesus and if you are in community with the body of Christ, but you have zero community with those that don't know Jesus, we're not doing it right. If we become a church where only people that ever come here are the redeemed saints, perfected people, we're screwing it up. If we become a church where it's only about the people who already know Christ and we're not thinking about, we're not strategizing about, we're not praying about, we're not, we're not creating experiences that help people that don't know God come to know him, we're screwing it up. Because community with God means community with his people so that we can be empowered to go out and build a relationship with those that don't know him yet. Check this out, here's my last one, Matthew 28, 18. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way, Then Jesus came close to them and said, 
This is right before Jesus was done with his earthly ministry, ascended back up into heaven. He said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go, somebody say go. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. God didn't give us community and relationship and salvation so that we could just kind of gather together and, and party about our salvation. He brought us together and he loved us and he graced us and he forgave us and he redeemed us and he empowered us with his authority so that now we could go out Monday through Saturday, come on somebody, that we could be a light in our office, that we could be a light in our family, that we could be a light in our friendships. You don't have to get rid of your unsafe friends when you give your life to Jesus. I would actually suggest maybe that you should hang out with them even more. Be wise and be intentional. We'll pastor you through that later. But just know that God didn't call you to only isolate yourself and be around Christians. We've been trying to resave Christians for too long. It's time to get some fresh blood. It's time to realize that you are brought into community in the church so that you can be built up, but then you're sent into community with the world so that you can mission up. God's got a job for us to do, and he wants to blow your mind with the stars that are gonna be produced from your life of faith, but you can't be okay with being comfortable. You can't be okay with being complacent. You can't be okay with going through the motions. It's not about perfection. I'm just gonna wait until I get all my stuff figured out and fixed, and then I'm gonna give Jesus my all. It doesn't work that way. God wants to take you just as you are, just as jacked up as you are, just as messed up as you still are, just as broken as you currently are right now. Stop trying to get fixed before, you're be, before you can be used by God. God can use you right where you are right now because the world's broken, and they need to know that the church is not filled with perfect people. They need to know that we're just as broken as they are, but we found somebody that can do something about it. And am I perfected yet? No, but I'm on a journey and God's doing something in me and, and I'm, not, I'm not where I wanna be, but I sure as heck am not where I used to be. People in, in the world around us don't need to know uh, uh, all the things that we know. They need to know how much we care and we can show them how much we care by remembering how much God cared about us. How do I win my friends to the Lord? How do I see people get saved? Just do for them what God did for you. Just love them. Just love them. How many verses do I have to memorize? Just love them. <laughs> yeah, read the word. Develop a life of prayer. You need those things. As a matter of fact, if you join a crew, you'll be around people who are going to encourage you in those things. They're going to teach you how to pray. They're going to teach you how to love somebody. They're going to teach you how to build friendship, maybe when you've been smoked before. Don't do life alone, guys. Let's not pray today that as we leave this place, that you don't just grab your kids, head for the car, and get out for lunch, but that you take a time, take some time to connect with some people. Find a crew that's gonna work for you. Find a crew that's gonna be something that, it might even scare you to death. They'll be like, uh, yeah, but what if I don't know anybody? Perfect, because that'll change pretty quickly. It'll change pretty quickly. This is why we do what we do when we do crew, so that we can build a relationship, continue to dive in as Jesus follows and see what God's gonna do. Can I pray for you? Father, we love you so much, God. I just pray today, Lord, for every person here. I thank you, God, that you are faithful. I thank you, God, that you did not um, give us a pattern of how to do things on our own. 
You even said, I, you said, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. You were in community with the Father. You were in community with disciples. You were in community with those that disagreed with you. You were in community with the crowd. But God, you have always been ever expanding your community. God, may our hearts today be expanded. May our minds be enlarged. May we begin to dream again. May we begin to ask you, God, to give us your dream. God, we don't want you to fall into our dream. We want ourselves to fall into your dream, God. Help us to believe, Father, for what is possible. Listen, today, if you can just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. If today, I, I know that there's, every week there's people here that you're, you're not sure where you are on the faith journey, but you know, you know that something's got to change. You know that something that's, the way that your life's been going to this point hasn't been working out. You've been, you've been trying to make it happen on your own, but it's just not working. And I want to tell you today that a relationship with Jesus is not just gonna, it's not going to automatically fix everything in your life, but I tell you what it will do. Giving your life to Jesus Christ, inviting him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, is going to bring hope where there was no hope before. It's going to bring love into your life that you've never experienced before. I was talking to one of our team members earlier before our experience today, and just began to talk about just the goodness of God in his life and, the, and what he's been experiencing ever since he said yes to giving his life to Jesus. And it made me emotional just to think about it because for me, that's why we do what we do. So right now, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and I want all of us to pray together. But this is a moment where you get, to you get the chance to say, God, I don't wanna be what I was before. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to give me a brand new future. And God is faithful and he will do it. So let's repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, Come on, dear Jesus, say it like you mean it. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you are God. And I believe that you rose from the dead. Today I give you my life. Forgive me of my past. Give me a brand new future. I want to be born again in you. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now with everybody still got your head bowed, if you prayed that today, for the first time, or maybe it's been a while, you've walked away from the Lord, but you, you decided to pray that and come back to the Lord today. When nobody looking around, can you just slip your hand up so I can see who prayed that prayer with me this morning? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Thank you. A couple of hands. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today, and I'm ready for my new life to kick off. Incredible. Incredible. Come on. Hey, church, can we celebrate right now? Can we clap for those who prayed that prayer this morning? Come on. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Listen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.